Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. But I want to continue. Uh, I, I want to continue where, where we left off. Uh, I, I've been passing for over 30-something years, and I never personally received the response that I personally received uh, from people around the country who had, who had a way of, you know, connecting to me or, or contacting me about the message this past Sunday. And um, let, let, me, let me just real quick, and, and I'm going to get into the word. This was a pastor. This was a pastor and he addressed me, and uh, he said, your message, this is a pastor now of a congregation. He said, your message Sunday brought, me, brought tears to my eyes. I know you preach truth Sunday. I remember the black community. My family was an anchor in the community. My father and my brothers, we were known in the community as, he said their names as brothers. He said, they came all the way from Arkansas with nothing back in the 60s. They were the proud owners of several dump, dump trucks. Uh, today's highways are possible for traveling because of them. They laid rock, asphalt, and dirt. From I-70 as far as Topeka, Kansas, I-29, 71 North and South, I-35, from Kansas City to Eporia, Kansas, and all of your major streets. Another one of my uncles owned the so-and-so cab company. They became millionaires, but they didn't take care of business, including my father. The IRS and bad decision-making brought them down, and white men stepped in and took over. I remember the black banks. One of my uncles was the largest depositor of the bank. This is the pastor talking. He said, I remember black grocery stores, black doctor's offices, and law offices. I remember black McDonald's, a black-owned restaurants, black-owned car washes, black-owned jewelry stores, black-owned laundromats, black-owned gas stations, Black-owned asphalt companies, black-owned auto mechanic shops, black-owned repair shops. My relatives didn't think of their offspring. Remember what I said? There are a certain group of people in our country that uh, have a continuous cycle of poverty, uh, and they do it to themselves. They do it to themselves because of the way they operate. And particularly most people of color, are more directly African-Americans, most of them operate with a mindset about just themselves. It's always me and not us. Uh, my relative didn't think of their offsprings. Instead, the white man took advantage of our ignorance. My wife keeps reminding me, don't follow their business practices, talking about his family. The message brought back so many memories and I'll, only, and I'll only be 60 in a few more days. 
So all this was not long ago. Bless you. Thank you for being bold to tell us the truth. Even if we get mad at you when we hear it. This is another person, a business person. This is what they said. I listened to your message. I am willing to bet many of those business owners, you remember when I asked the business owners to stand? Many of those business owners that answered about employees are counting contractors, not true employees. A business owner with 10 employees would be a significant giver at your ministry. Employees mean the business owner is paying employee taxes. If you had 10 businesses that had true 10 plus employees, their tithing would have helped you to complete all of the projects that I hear you speak of about Project Destiny debt-free. You're teaching well. Inferior teaching will it produce inferior living? Inferior teaching will produce inferior living. Inferior teaching will produce inferior living. I say this in honor of my great mentor who has gone on to be with the Lord, but I will always announce his name as long as there's breath in my body, and that is Apostle Frederick K.C. Price, who was the first man of God who embraced me and began to show me how to walk down a path of integrity. Are you listening to me? And teach the people of God the truth. And he shared with me that if you'll be bold enough to teach the people the truth, God will take the word of God that you will release over their lives and infect their lives and raise them to a whole new standard. For many, many years, I stood in this pulpit and I hammered away about home ownership and not renting. Home ownership and not renting. I, I, I ministered for years about not buying cars but buy a house. Nothing wrong with a car, but get your house first, get your, get your car next. I taught for many, many years that it is ignorant, that it is, it is, the, it, it, it is bad business practice to go out and buy a $30,000, $50,000 car and don't have a thirty dollars or $40,000 or $50,000 house. I, I taught behind this pulpit for many years that it's just not good business. You're not teaching your children great business principles to go out and buy your children a $120 or $150 pair of tennis shoes and have never taken your child to the bank and open up a $100 or $150 savings account. I taught that from this pulpit for many, many years. As a result of not backing away from that truth, many of our members, a lot of our members own homes, and those who don't own it is getting ready to get one tomorrow. Because it is against the law to be a member of this church and renting unless that's something you want to do. But home ownership is power. 
Say that with me. Ownership is power. Say it again. Ownership is power. Say it again. Ownership is power. And one of the reasons why particularly people of color have come behind, you have to go and get the first message that I taught about, and I, I shared with you that while we were out of town the whole time, I really didn't even talk to my wife for the whole six or seven days. I mean, God was talking to me, and I was writing some things down because I was concerned about the Afghanistans who, when uh, President Biden declared that the war was over and that these refugees were going to be coming to America, and they're coming. And I was concerned because I thought to myself, if all the other refugees, and I'm a Vietnam veteran, so there's veterans, I mean, there's Vietnamese here, there's, there's Koreans here, there's, there's, uh, there's Arabs here, there's Jews here, there's Germans here, there's, there's Irishmen here, there's Mexicans here, and all of those people groups are ahead of the African American economically, every one of them. And so now we're getting ready to bring another people group, the Afghanistans. And if we don't change the way we operate, it won't be long before we will be buying from them. Are you listening to me? Now, don't get upset. I'm speaking truth. We're the only people group where someone can come into our neighborhood. I didn't say community because by and large, there's no black communities in America. Because you need four, three or four viable entities in a, in a neighborhood that will make it a community. Not only that, a neighborhood doesn't have any power, but a community does. Are, are you all listening to me? I said, are you all listening to me? So we're the only people group who will allow another people group to come in our community, our neighborhood, and sell us and draw all the resources out of our neighborhood and don't live in the neighborhood. You don't see that anywhere else on the planet. Where you live in a neighborhood and almost everything you purchase, you purchase, from, purchase it from somebody who doesn't look like you. And so I said to you, the white man is not your problem. Your problem is the way you think. No, no, don't clap yet. Because you think the way you think because you have been socially engineered from slavery. And from slavery, you went into Jim Crow. And from Jim Crow, you went into civil rights fighting. And I'm not against marching and signs and all of that, but, but, but the people who benefited from the civil rights the most was not African Americans. If it was not for the civil rights movement, the Asians wouldn't be able to do in this country what they're doing. The Mexicans either. either. And now the LGBT community, they're capitalizing on the civil rights movement. Are you all listening to me? And so our problem is the way we think. We don't trust each other. You want to know where every penny I spend. Now, you know, Impact Sunday's coming. What is he going to do this time? What are you going to do this time? It, 
and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not upset. You, you've been socially engineered to respond to a leader who looked like me. You've been socially engineered not to trust anybody who looked like you. You go put your money in a bank. And that bank won't even hire your son or your daughter in the summertime. You spend your money in businesses and sometimes they're rude to you. You go in stores and they got hound dogs that follow you all around every aisle. When you stop, they stop. When you walk, they walk. And you still spend your money. Are you listening to me? So our problem is not other people. Our problem is the way we think. And the reason African Americans, I'm going to get in trouble, but it's all good are in the condition that they are in in America today is because of these weak back preachers who come to church every Sunday and Wednesday and all they're concerned about is getting you emotionally worked up and singing songs about when you get to heaven, how God's going to bless you. I don't want to sing no song about how God's going to bless me when I get to heaven. I want to know what God is going to do right now. There's not going to be any light bills in heaven. We won't be grocery shopping in heaven. We won't have to pay rent in heaven. And so if God is only going to help me when I get to heaven, then you tell God, cancel my help in heaven and give it to me now. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus. Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, we know this is where Jesus was being tempted of the devil. And, and look at the contrast. Uh, Satan, Satan uh, tempted Eve in the garden. But he tempted Jesus in a wilderness. Eve lost the victory for eating. Jesus regained the victory by not eating. Are you all listening to me? So listen to this. When Satan came to Jesus, Jesus said what? Come on, say it out loud. What did he say? And then Satan attempted him again. And what did Jesus say? Satan attempted him again. And what did Jesus say? No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. When the word of God says, Jesus said, it is written. You think Jesus just said something off his cuff. You think that Jesus just said something based upon the first thing that came to his mind. What the preacher didn't tell you, and I'm telling you today, when Jesus said, it is written, He quoted the word. As a matter of fact, he quoted the number one book that he quoted in his his earthly ministry. When Jesus 
So Jesus, listen to this. So when Satan came to tempt Jesus, he responded to him by saying, it is written. What was written? The word. So Jesus didn't just say anything. He quoted the word. He quoted Deuteronomy to him. He quoted Deuteronomy to him. Wait a minute. He didn't quote Deuteronomy because he was God. He quoted Deuteronomy because he studied. He quoted the book of the law because he, he studied. And so when Satan came to him, he said, it is written. He quoted what he quoted because he studied. What I'm trying to get you to see this morning is that Jesus overcame the devil by quoting the word. And you and I will overcome every attack of the devil when we what? Quote the word. But Hosea prophesied, he said, God's people perish for the lack of knowledge. And the reason that the people are ignorant is because the leader is not teaching the people anything. God was holding the leader responsible. The people are poor because that's the way you're teaching them. The people are defeated because that's the way you're teaching them. The people don't have anything because that's the way you're teaching them. The people think that I work in a mysterious way because that's the way you're teaching them. They don't have nothing because you're not teaching nothing. And I'll say it, I'll say it again. If, if, if just having what we call having church would produce prosperity, we would be the richest people on the planet. Can't nobody out dance us. Can't nobody out sing us. Can't nobody out praise us. Can't nobody out moonwalk us. We can do it all at the same time. Nobody on the planet can out entertain us. Sing in church, all happy. Shouting in church, all happy. And go home to nothing. And it's not your fault. It's the leader's fault. And I want to thank God today that he has delivered me from the beginning of being, uh, uh, what can I say, needy of some kind of emotional response from you. And I got victory long time ago over your faces. Are you listening to me? I'm going to share something with you today that I have never shared. But you will never again. If it does happen, you won't be ignorant about it happening. Because I'm going sh- to share some truths with you that I believe will bless your life. Proverbs chapter 23. Let's go there real quick. Proverbs chapter 23. For me, you pass up scripture. Proverbs chapter 23. Oh, I thank God for my mentor. Apostle Frederick Casey Price. 
who taught me, mentored me, schooled me, and Dad Hagen, teaching me how to stand flat-footed and teach the people the Word of God and make them be quiet because they can't learn anything making all that noise. Are you listening to me? To, to teach them how to, how to be still and listen and learn and then make it. Don't just listen, but listen with the intent to do. I said, listen with the intent to do. Are you in Proverbs chapter 23? Proverbs chapter 23. Look at verse number seven. Is it warm in here? Or is it just me? Is it a little warm in here? Deb, good to see you, girl. Okay, so everybody's all right? All right, well, all right, then. Hallelujah, don't get upset. Uh, it's hot up here with, with these lights. Look, look at verse 7, Proverbs 23, verse 7. Ready? Read. Okay, read it again, the A part. Ready? Read. For as I'm... Read it again. Read it one more time. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. LaDonna, can you handle this? So you have right now what you have because that's what you decided to have. And you're never going to break free if it's somebody else's fault. That's too much power to give somebody over your life that you can't make it cause of them. That's a scary thing for somebody to know that you have embraced a mindset that I can't make it because that's too much power to give your husband. Ain't nobody shouting now. That's too much power to give your wife. Are you you're saying to me that if you leave me, I can't make it? You and the devil is alive. I was making it before you showed up. Now, I may not be making it like you thought I should have been making it, but I was making it. Come on now. So whenever you say to yourself that you would be further along if so-and-so wasn't in your life, that's too much power to give another human being. The devil is a lie. You knowing me and me knowing you will not put my life on hold. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Oh, Jesus. So I have what I have. I have what I have because that's what I decided to have. I have what I have because that's what I decided to have. See, this is, this is revolutionary. I have what I have because that's what I decided to have. And no sense you getting upset on what I have. No sense you being jealous over what I have. Or me being jealous or envious of what you have. I have what I have because that's what I decided to have. Everything I have, I have because I decided to have it. This is revolutionary. And the reason you're struggling with it is because you're waiting on God to do something. 
And I'm not waiting on God to do anything. I have what I have. Good God of mercy, boy. Because that's what I decided to have. I was raised in a shack. When it rained, I put cans out. We never had electricity. We never had running lights in the shack that I was raised in. But I have today what I have because I decided to have it. Rejected from my family at Christmas time as a little child, didn't get one toy. But I have what I have because I decided to have it. Are you listening to me? I live in the house that I live in because we decided we're going to live in that house. Don't get mad at my house. Get you a house. Nobody's stopping you from getting a house but you. And God said he wanted you to have more than a house. God said that you're to have houses. That means you're supposed to have a personal house and rent a house. Who Jesus. Somebody got to be the landlord. Somebody got to be the landlord. Are you listening to me? Landlords are getting rich off of people who are renting. This is amazing to me how an investor will go out and build an apartment complex. 30 or 40 units or 50 or 100 some units and rent them out and, and rent every apartment out. And the people who are renting don't even know. They're paying the owner of the, of the complex. They're paying off his bill. Every time they pay rent, they're helping to pay his note. And, and the owner loves good renters. Sometimes he won't even raise your rent to keep you. Because you're helping him to pay off those three big complexes he built. And after 30 years, he will look you in the face and say, thank you. You were one of the best tenants I've ever had. That's it. But what he will turn around and do, he will turn it to his son and daughter and give them the keys and say, listen, I didn't earn a penny on all those apartment complexes that I built. But I'm giving them to you, my son and my daughter. I'm giving them to you because for the rest of your life, every person who pay rent, that money will go in your pocket. Because all the money they paid me for 30 years, I took it and paid the buildings off. Now for the next 50, 60, 70 80, 90 years, those buildings are going to bring income into our family. It's going to pay for my great-great-grandson's education, my great-great-granddaughter's college education. Ooh, Jesus. Is this helping anybody? I said, is this, is this helping anybody? Oh, Jesus. There are basically, and here we go because of time, there are basically three propositional ways of thinking. 
As a man thinketh in his heart, what? Say it again. As a man thinketh in his heart. Say it again. As a man thinketh in his heart. So you are the way you think. You are the way you think. And your life will continue the way you think. Can you all handle this? If you're poor right now, your thinking brought you there. If you're rich right now, your wealth brought you there. If you're barely making it, it's the way you think that has produced that lifestyle. That's the truth. The way you think has produced that lifestyle. Ooh, Jesus. Any of you ever looked on television and saw, that? I think it was called the lifestyle of the rich and the famous? Any of you ever, ever looked at that? I used to just look at it just to get stimulated. You know, I, you know I'd, I'd look at it and see. I mean, it was just exposure. I, mean, I, I didn't know you could have a, a bathtub like that. Are you I didn't know they made bathtubs like that. You know, I, I grew up with a tin tub. You mean people have a have a bathtub like that? I mean, I, I didn't know people had closets like that. Man, some of the people have closets as big as the house I was raised in, the shack. I didn't know that. I mean, it just expand my horizon. I, I didn't know you could you could live in a house with a driveway like that. Take you almost thirty minutes to get to the front door. I know people live like that. So I would look at the program just to get stimulated. I, I, I was just grateful to know that, there, that there's people, that that lifestyle is available. Are you listening to me? I remember when I had bad credit. Anybody know about bad credit? Am I the only one? Okay, one. I can hold on. That's my sister over there. We had bad All right. Not anymore, but I remember I had bad credit. You know, they told me I couldn't get certain things. But every Sunday after service, I would still go out to the, to the homes that they used to have. What do they call them when they have rows of homes? Yeah, parade of homes. And I'd take my kids, and, and my kids would run through the parade of homes, and uh, they would be arguing over, this is my bedroom, and I never interfered. And I let them run through those parade homes like we owned it. Everybody else's kids did. Everybody else's kids ran through there. So I let mine run through it. This is my bedroom. My kids say, this is my bedroom. I was exposing them to something better. Because to change your thinking, you got to be exposed. To something better. That's what I loved about the military. It took me out of my hood and exposed me to the world. And I saw, man, everybody ain't like my neighborhood. That there's more to the world than my 10 radius blocks. And it changed my mind. I saw more. And because I saw more, I wanted more. And because I saw more and I wanted more, I confessed more. Are you listening to me? Hold on, brother. Are you listening to me? 
I don't mean to be rude, but I want you to get this. Because you got to get this. I said, you got to get this. There are basically three positional ways of thinking in the world. How many? There are basically three principal ways of living in the world. I wrote it this way, propositional ways of thinking in the world. If I could have heard this, what I'm going to teach you now, from the time I started going to church, only God knows where I would be. Only God knows where you would be. Number one, one premise of the way of thinking is that God is in control of everything. There are people who have embraced this mindset or this principle that God is in control of everything. Uh, probably this is the most uh, or broadest range of uh, accepted or view of thinking of people is that God is in control of everything. As a matter of fact, this position was a position of the churches that I grew up in. The churches that I grew up in, the pastor taught us, and this was the mindset of our congregation, is that God was in control of everything. And as a result of that, some of the members of the church would say it in our neighborhood when we were just casually, and when I say say it, they wasn't saying it necessarily to the children, but adults were talking and the kids overheard it. Things like, whatever God's got for you, you don't have to worry, honey, you're going to get it. Anybody ever heard that other than me? Well-meaning people. Well-meaning people. Don't worry about what they say, honey. Don't worry about what they do. What God's got for you is for you. Is that what they would say? And I'm here to tell you that is not the truth. Well-meaning as my pastors were, that is not Bible. That God is in control of everything. All right, let me help you here. If God is in control of everything, isn't it a mess? Kids killing each other? Come on now. Diseases killing people? Car wrecks taking families, just wiping them out? If God is in control, we're in trouble. If God is controlling this, we're in trouble. Listen to me, people of God. The will of God for your life does not automatically come to pass. The will of God does not automatically come to pass. God's will for your life only happens when you agree with his will. When you agree about your life, what God has designated for your life. Is this helping anybody? If God were in control, this world would be saturated with love. If God was in control... If God was in the control, this world would be saturated with kindness. People are so mean. I said people are so mean. I mean, you, you, you're almost afraid to even speak to somebody. I mean, if you're behind somebody at a stop sign or a stoplight 
and the light changes green and they still sit there, you're almost afraid to toot your horn. Just, just to let them know, you know, keep, keep it moving, man. In our city, in this metropolitan area, a lady uh, pulled on the, uh, somebody pulled on the side of her and she said, I don't know where it's in Blue Springs or wherever it was, and she rolled her window down and said something mean-spirited to a, another driver and the driver uh, pulled over, cut her off, and walked back to her car and blew her brains out. Now you're telling me God's in control of this? God's in control and you're sick? God's in control and you can't pay your bills? Doesn't God see what you're going through? All this suffering? No, no, no. If God was in control, this world would be full of joy. If God was in control, this world would be full of peace. If God was in control, this world would be full of harmony. If God was in control. But this is the thinking of some people. That your situation will only change. Hear me now. Your situation will only change when God gets ready. If that is the mindset that you've embraced, your life is on hold. Because you're waiting on God to do something. And I'm standing here today telling you that whatever God is going to do, he's already done it. But this is a thinking that is embraced by the majority of the world, particularly in Christendom. That God is in control of everything. God is in control of my life. God is in control of everything. And so you're waiting on God to do whatever God's going to do. And in the meantime, you suffer. And God has to let you suffer because you're operating in ignorance. Now, I'm not talking about your salvation. You can go to heaven, but I'm saying to you, you're going to miss out on a lot of blessings in this life because you don't know who you are in Christ. Another mindset is that the devil is in charge. This is going to help you. There are people who believe that the devil is in charge of everything. If the devil was in charge of everything, totally in charge, if he was in total control, there would be no believers around. For the, if you have any born-again people of God, got any Christians here, got any believers, well, that's a sign to you that the devil's not in total control. Because if the devil's in total control, he would get rid of you. Oh, Jesus. Satan is the enemy of everything and anything that's godly. If Satan was in total control, he would destroy every plan of God. Oh, Jesus. Wait a minute, preacher. I'm, you, you, you done said some things here. I've been quiet, but bless God, you can explain some things to me. Because you're you telling me God ain't in control and the devil ain't either. Then who, 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 who's running this show? Because I need to know. You mean to tell me the mess I'm in I can get out? You mean the lack that's in my house, in my family, that I can kick it out? 
You mean the sickness and disease that I'm tolerating, I don't have to tolerate it? You mean to tell me I can really be the head, not the tail? Are you really telling me, preacher, that I can be on top and not beneath? Are you really telling me, preacher, that if I put my hands to something, amen, in faith, that by the glory of God, it'll prosper? Are you really telling me, preacher, that I and my family, we don't have to live like this? That there's a better way of living than the way we're living? You're absolutely right. I said, you're absolutely, you're, you're absolutely right. Ooh, Jesus. Let's, let's look at this real quick. Go to 2 Peter. Real quick, 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, uh, the, the B part, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all, how many? But that all should come to repentance. Did you, did you hear that? that? That God is not willing, God is not willing that any should perish. So we know now, if, if God doesn't will for anybody to go to hell, God doesn't want anybody to go to hell, but that all should come to what? Come to repentance. That's God's will. I said, that's God's will. Isn't Peter clear on that? That's God's will. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Is that God's will? It hasn't happened. As a matter of fact, you know that's true. You got family members that are not saved. That if something don't happen, they're going to hell. I'm not speaking a bad thing. It's heaven or hell. It's it's up or down. It's with God or separated from God. But but God's will is that not any would perish. Are there people perishing? But it's not God's will. It's not God's will. So we can see even from that passage of Scripture that the will of God does not automatically come to pass. God, if somebody would have told me that when I was a youngster growing up in church. As a result of not having that kind of teaching, we used to walk around, Minister Clayton, and dream. Singing every Sunday, dancing and shouting, and a hoping and a dreaming. That one day, like magic, that that God or an angel or some preacher was going to wave a wand and our life was going to be better. And notice that your life doesn't get any better year after year unless you change your mind. Is this this good teaching? Your life is never going to get any better until you change your mind. Are they listening? You're not going to wake up one day and, and, and some kind of metamorphosis, you know, everything's going to be gone and everything's going to be good. That's the rapture. <laughs> That's the rapture. Are you listening to me? But this kind of thinking, particularly with people of color, because when we first got to introduce to the word of God or the Bible, I only say the word of God, the Bible, it was introduced to us from the slave master who handpicked the preachers who could only teach the slaves 
certain things out of the Bible to keep them with a mindset to stay slaves and submit it to the master to teach messages that would make them docile. The preacher would preach messages that would make them trust the slave master and not trust each other. And that thing is still happening in 2021. And out of all the people on the planet, we seem to be the only people who struggle to get ahead. A man cornered my wife up uh, after Sunday, or I don't know what day, actually day it was, but was from Africa. That was from Africa. And he said, what that man is teaching is not only affected African-Americans, he said that same mindset is affecting people on the continent of Africa because the same people who drank, who, who socially, socially engineered you all to think the way you think, they came to the continent of Africa and did the same thing. Came and took our silver and got rich. Came and took our gold and got rich. Came and took our diamonds and got rich. Came and took our oil and got rich. And we can't even feed our people. Africa has got the richest soil on the planet. Africa is the richest country on the planet in terms of natural resources. And yet the people, by and large, are as poor as Job's turkey. So how can you be starving, walking on the richest dirt on the planet, and other people come in from another country and live large? Unless you've been socially engineered. We are quiet now. And so here we are today with all of these opportunities in 2021, and we still do not have one, not one black community in America, self-sustaining community, not one. I didn't say neighborhood. I said community, which just simply means every, every pork chop you buy, you probably buy it from somebody who don't look like you. All of your business transactions, let me paint a good picture for you. When you leave church today, and those of you are watching me by way of internet, when you drive home or when you leave your community, I want you to look at all those buildings. I want you to look at all that land that you drive by every day. I want you to go downtown and look at all those buildings and all of those businesses. And the sad part about it, probably 99.9% .9 of everything you look at, not one black person own any of it. And they'll want you to think when they teach you from the history books that they came here and worked hard and got it. The devil is a lie. They didn't have to work hard for the land. The government gave them the land. They gave them the land. And as I said last Sunday, people talk about they don't believe in reparation. I do. And the very people who say they don't believe in reparation, they got it. They are fighting in Washington right now about reparation. 
And the same people who are fighting about reparation, their family got it. When they ended slavery, the government paid the slave master. And gave the slave not a dime. As a result of that, you're still struggling trying to make it. And some of you think that they killed Abraham Lincoln because of ending slavery. Then why they killed Abraham Lincoln? Abraham Lincoln, see, see what I'm, well, I was going to say you need to study, but that's, that, that, that's why I'm here. I'm, yes, I'm your library. But they killed him because if they hadn't have killed him, he was going to enact a principle that he had decreed. And that is that every slave would get 40 acres and a mule. And so before they, before they could enact or act upon that uh, or, or inject that principle or law, they killed him and shut it down. Because by and large, African Americans in this country were farmers. Are you, are you all listening to me? Mr. Charlie wasn't out there picking cotton. And if there was a white man out there picking cotton, he could pick his way off the plantation. You couldn't. Because you were property. And even though slavery was abolished, it didn't abolish your slave mentality. And so while everybody is trying to build a stronger and more vibrant community, people of color, by and large, work overtime to try to get out of the community. Oh, Jesus. And so we shouldn't have been fighting for integration. We should have been fighting for equality. And I'm saying what I'm saying now, and I'm saying it real strong because I'm, I'm, I'm watching a pattern. Because with integration, we lost everything but the church. With integration, we lost everything but the church. And the reason we didn't lose the church is because our white brothers and sisters did not want to worship with you. And I'm not talking about a long time ago. This is not a long time ago. If you would come to the church, they would put the police, the police would come and arrest you at the First Baptist. Mm -hmm. And so now, even when you talk about integrating, it's not them coming to us. It's always us going to them. I have to say this because I've talked to some leaders around this nation and bless their hearts, some of them are dying because of the pressure because you've been socially engineered and it's killing these preachers. They are afraid. They are fearful. Because this exodus of people of color, there's not an exodus of Caucasians coming Show me somebody who can teach the word and dissecting homilegs and hermeneutics better than I can. If I was a white man, this place would be packed out full of white folks and black folks.
But the reason it's not is because as I share it, I want, if I take it, before I take it back, I'll add more to it. The world is not racist. The church is racist. And so when they talk about diversity, I just want to go to a church that's more diverse. It's never them coming to you. It's always you going to them. Because the goal is always to be the majority. All this stuff that's going on in Washington, this has nothing to do with white or black. It has to do with power. The reason they want to change the voting way is because of power. They realize now one vote per person, they're going to lose power. So to remain in power, they're allowing Asians to be white. They're even allowing some Mexicans to be white. And the whole thing is about power. And as I told, share with one major leader in this nation, that if we're not careful, that if we're not careful, a church that consists of a black pastor and a predominantly African-American congregation will be a thing of the past. Because they've already taken your musicians. And they've taken them because they got money. It ain't about God. It's about money. It's about money. And it's not about God. It's about money. Let's stop playing games. You're calling it church, but it's a game. It's not about God, it's about money. It's about control. And in the black neighborhood, notice I didn't call it a community, the only thing they have left is the church. And most of them don't own that. They're paying a mortgage. So you've already lost your businesses. That's why I said when a preacher stands in his pulpit and he charges members to, to own businesses, to own a business, you're almost, you're almost asking them to commit genocide. Because you don't start a business unless you have a community. You don't start a business unless you're having a community to serve. A community to serve. So black businesses are not failing because they're dumb or stupid. They're failing because they don't have a community. Ooh, Jesus. Because there are some communities, I don't care how good your product is, they won't buy it from you if you don't look like them. And as a result, we'll close you down. And that doesn't bother you because you have been socially engineered to accept that way of living. Well, then I shout in the day, Jesus. Give me, give me something next week. Let's, let's, let's close. Let, let, let's close. Our time is gone. Finally, um, there's, there's this way of thinking 
that God has done everything that he's going to do and has given you the power and dominion. He's given that to us. God has given us the authority through the anointed one and his anointing to rule and to reign in this life. That's the third way of thinking. Now I'll close on this. Matthew 16. This is it. Man, if, you, if you'll get this, this will change your life. This will, this will change your life. And harmony and peace and all that is never going to come to the world until the church get this thing right. We can get rid of racism. We can get rid of it. If we can get rid of it in the church, it'll affect the world. Because we're the light. What a testimony it would be to the world. What a testimony for them to come to Harvest Church. And here I stand as a black man, and the church is 50-50. I don't have to stand and preach nothing. Just stand there and smile. The, the cameras would come. Uh, CBS, they would all come. Why? Because the world, not the church, the world would want to know. I said the world. They would want to know. What are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? We, I, we would probably be on the front page. Not because of some dynamic preacher, but because we're actually living out what the word of God declares us to live out. To walk together in peace and harmony. To love one another as we love God. To love our brothers and sisters as ourselves. I don't care what color the package of the mailman is. Just deliver the mail. Are you all with me? Are you in Matthew 16? Look at this. This is the last, last of way of the three dominant ways of thinking in the world. Are you in verse number 19? Look at verse number 19. Ready? Read. Boy, this is a tremendous revelation. I will give you the keys. These are, these are keys. And uh, keys are symbols. Keys are symbolic of, of authority. Keys are symbolic of access. Notice Jesus said, he said, he said, I have the keys. But then he turns around and says, I'm going to give you the keys. So I got the keys, right? I, I got the keys. You, you got some keys? Do you have these keys? I thought we talked before we came back. <laughs> Do you have any keys? These are keys are symbolic of authority. Jesus said, I have the keys. Well, hold on. Where did he get them? Because Initially, Adam had the keys. Yes? God gave Adam dominion in the earth. Adam had the keys. But Adam committed high treason. And who got the keys? Come on, talk to me. Where did he get them from? 
He got it from, he got it from Adam because Adam sinned. Oh, Jesus. Can you handle this? He didn't get the keys from Eve. He got the keys from Adam. Because God didn't give Eve the keys. He gave them to Adam. He gave them to Adam because Adam was the one God talked to. The only reason Eve knew about the keys is Adam taught her at home Bible study. That's why you don't marry a man who can't teach you the word. But Eve took of the tree, yes, of the fruit. Nothing happened. Nothing happened until Adam bit of the fruit. Yes? And when Adam bit of the fruit, what happened? He took the keys. Because the only way for Adam to keep the keys, he had to be obedient to God. Who gave him the dominion and the authority? Who gave him the keys? Are you listening to me? But for you and I to walk in victory in this life, we have to have the keys. So over 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Jesus of Christ from Galilee who walked the earth who was sinless. And they crucified him, and they shouldn't have. And they killed him, and they shouldn't have because he had not committed any sin. And if the devil, the Bible said, if the devil would have known what was going to happen as a result of what he did, he never would have done it. But when, when, when Satan killed Jesus, Jesus went down into hell. And he had the power and authority to take the keys out of the devil's hands because he didn't qualify to go to hell. And so he snatched back from Satan what he snatched out of the hands of Adam. Now Jesus got the keys. But Jesus is going to heaven. You don't need the keys in heaven. There ain't no devil up there. There ain't no problem up there. And so Jesus turns to the church and he says, I give you the keys. Come on. I'm going to give you the keys. That this means for every child of God, every born again believer, God has given you the keys. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed. If you, listen, if you don't get anything else, notice your problem is not God. Man, I'm waiting on God to do something. He's already done it. Boy, the devil is, quit talking about the devil. You're giving him too much credit. I've already showed you the word of God. The devil's not everywhere. We talk about the devil like he's everywhere. The devil's not in Kansas City and in St. Louis, too. The devil's not in America and over there in Asia, too. Only God is omnipotent, omnipotent, omnipresent. Only God is there. We, we literally talk about the devil like he's almost equal with God. Your problem in many cases is not the devil. Those are demon spirits, familiar spirits, the fallen angels. Wait, that's a whole nother subject. I'm just simply trying to get you to see that your problem of lack of progress is not God's fault. And I'm trying to get you to see as a child of God, the devil can't stop you. You have what you have because you decided. What? You got the keys? 
And Jesus said, whatever you bind, I'm with you. Jesus said, and whatever you loose, I'm with you. A clear translation, Deacon Burskins, is this. God is saying, when you open your mouth and say something, then it's bound. If a situation surfaced and you don't open your mouth, then it's loosed. Get it? Did you get it? Sister Griff, you get it? See, we, we tried to make this thing mystical. Mystical. No, no. God says, if you open your mouth, it'll be bound. If you open your mouth and speak the word, it'll be bound. But if you don't open your mouth and speak the word, it'll be loose. Good God of mercy. Ooh, Jesus. So God is encouraging you to say something and the devil wants you to shut your mouth and I'm done. Come on, give him praise. Come on, give him praise. Come on, give him praise. Give him praise. We've been quoting that scripture and quoting that scripture and had no revelation as to what it meant. Poor girl, you know, whatever you bind on earth and whatever you lose, and we've been saying that and had no revelation. Now you got revelation that if I open my mouth and say something, that thing is bound. Wow, what an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.